to the Hue You Know podcast where we discuss all things relative to media entertainment, all designed to support our career growth. From networking to breaking in the industry to climbing up the ranks, whether you're a newbie in the industry or veteran, this podcast is for you. My name is Shirley Brene Williams. I am your host, executive producer, director extraordinaire, and today's guest is Stina Hamlin. Stina is director of post-production at East Coast Digital. She started her career in LA over 25 years ago, so she's truly a vet and has worked in many positions in the industry from being in the field, production management, and post-production, which is where she has landed her feet now. Recently, she has focused on supporting projects that amplify indigenous voices in front and behind the camera. I have to do my Oprah thing again. Welcome, Stina Hamlet! (laughs) That is awesome. Okay. Do you really do that every, at the top of every episode? No, <laughs> just on yours. Oh, my God. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Stina, my gosh. Everybody is obsessed with, like, the hows, right? The hows of the journeys. How did you get here? How did you become the director of post-production for East Coast Digital? Oh, my God. This is, like, I'll try not to make this too long because it is a crazy thing and it does it definitely inform how I roll through my career now because I did not go to film school um I was a dance major I was actually a professional dancer (laughs) so so I was actually a professional dancer and um and I never thought about doing anything else in my life and I moved to Los Angeles with a dance company that I was working for and dancing does not, it doesn't really pay that much money. So I had always had to have a second job. So I basically got this job at this television station. Um, it was then called Empire Burbank Studios. It's in Burbank. Now I think it's called Que Bueno. Um, but it's where back in the day, it's like when they used to shoot Singled Out with Carmen Electra and Jenny McCarthy show. Like it was pretty cool, like, you know, to be, you know, and I was in my 20s and that's what, you know, so I worked, so basically I just got a job answering the phones there from a, another fellow dancer who got a professional gig who he to pay him his bills. <laughs> so he was like, hey, do you want this job? I was like, yeah. And then I was like, whoa, TV and film is so creative. And I never really saw myself doing anything other than, you know, I was just trying to figure it out. Like I was a dancer and like, what else am I going to do? And how am I going to make money? Um, and so, yeah, so I worked my way up at that studio um, I worked in operations and I would book clients and deal with logistics of like booking the stages and, um, learning about the lighting grids and like different shoots and, um, you know, all of that stuff. So I just really just kind of dove in and worked my way up there. And then from there, I went to work at a production company called Pie Town Productions. And I, again, like started answering, I was like their first person answering phones and then worked my way around, um, into all the positions. Usually I ended up being more logistics, like production coordinator, production manager, production supervisor, and then went from there to like post-production. Um, but um, love just to do, I just love to do all kinds of things, I guess. And that's why, um, I mean, it's just, you know, and I love to just know everything. And I would feel like it's really important to also just not be in a tunnel vision and know, you know, you know that there's stuff goes on in the field, which affects you in posts. Like it just really surprises me 
when people, you know, are still in post, they're just like, why did they do it like that? It's like, well, probably something happened. I mean, you know what I mean? Like nobody like does something on purpose, like to just screw you over. You know what I mean? It's like people like shit happens. Like, I don't know, but we just got to deal with it, you know? So anyway, so that's kind of like, that's the long story short is I just kind of fell into it. I love, I love it. It's creative. And I worked at it with a post-production, I mean, a production company. We did mostly like home and garden television, like happy TV, happy reality TV, which is, you know, like food shows. And um, we worked with Rachel Ray and her first like $40 a day show and food and like, you know, renovation shows and all of that. So that was really a fun, beautiful time in my life. And that was where I met my husband and he, we do projects together still. So, you know, so that's, that's, um, yeah. So then, then when that was all in LA and I moved to New York and I was trying to, and I had kids, I was able to have two children. So I say I was able to stay at home with my kids. So I just kind of took a break. And like, by the time I came back to work, everything, nothing was on tape anymore. Like we were on Digibeta tape. And then I came back to work and everything was like these digital files. And it was like, what? You know, that was like crazy. Um, but very interesting, you know, like you can't just like change a slate and like punch into tape. You have to now we do a whole export, which takes like two hours. So you got to check the whole thing. So it's, there's, it's interesting you know, sides of the coin, but, um, but that was all TV stuff too. And when I moved to New York, um, my husband's family's from here. So we decided to move back here to be closer to them. And I was super excited because I'd really had always wanted to be in New York. I never really wanted to move to LA. That was just kind of like the dance company that I was with. Um, so I just randomly ended up, you know, out there. Um, I mean, I guess randomly, who knows, you know, um, but Back here, I was like, what can I do that's not just all consuming, like production's too much. Um, and even just for a production company, like it's just like super intense. And, and I would just remember being super annoyed all the time at post houses that would be closed at like five o'clock. <laughs> so I was like, I want to work for a post house because they close at five o'clock, <laughs> which is not really true. I don't know where. But it was at least more controlled, like, you know, like it's more stable. It's not freelance. It's, um, you know, I mean, you can freelance too. But so I started looking at post houses and I literally just, and, you know, and just remember I had been, I wasn't, I hadn't worked for like five years. And so people, so it was kind of like, what am I going to do at that point? I have no idea. So I literally went down that like LA 411 or whatever the four directory NYC 411 kind of thing where it has all the production, you know, like listings, production listings in there. And I started at the letter A and I just like called, I, I called them on, with my phone and said, Hey, hi, do you guys have any, you know, entry level positions or anything openings or do you know who I should send a resume to? So I kind of did that and I got to the D's and that's when I, um, landed at Duart, which is like epic film lab in New York City, like it's been around, I mean, they just closed it this year and it's like super sad, but, um, uh, but so yeah, so I, I, so I got to them and I randomly left a message and I do tell this story a lot, but I met, I, it had like a menu and I didn't know where to leave a message or like who to call. And I left a message in their accounting department because accounting, and then and they called me back because the county people want to be 
they do not want the buck to fall flat from them. Like they're not going to let this one go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're very, so they called me back and they're like, I'm sorry, what, you know, what do you need? You need to talk to this person and call them and, you know, and called me right back and said, you need to connect with, you know, um, I believe it was Joe Mungy, um, at the time. And, uh, so yeah, so then I just, and they gave me the, his email and you know what I mean? So just kind of like random and I sent in my information and then interviewed there and I just, I got a job and I was like, I think I feel like I was, I don't think the pay was the greatest, like it was entry level, but I was like senior, they gave me a good title, like senior producer at a post house. And I was like, what? Okay. And then I just like had to figure it out, but it was all film. Like they, they are such an old school film lab, which I never knew about, you know, like I wasn't a film person, like long form. I was like TV. So it was very interesting to like be thrown into a New York city post-production, which is like a serious situation. <laughs> um, and like me and I'm all like, let's do this and let's be, you know, like have a good time and like, you know, be happy about stuff. And then most of the people there had been working there for like 30 years, which is also just wild. And I was just, you know, kind of came in there like, you know, why can't we do it like this? Oh, we can just do it like that. And I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> they were, it, it was, it was very, it was, um, it was very interesting to figure out how to like navigate their space. I mean, we were trying to work together, but they didn't do a lot of reality TV. They didn't like that. It was just kind of like, ew, but they're trying to get into that. It was a whole interesting process. And I was there for, I think about six years. So I learned so much there. And that building and just like an epic, you know, so I couldn't, I mean, I feel really grateful for that experience. Um, I learned a ton from it, but they were very rigid. And, and a lot of larger post houses are very like, you know, they have their infrastructure and then you kind of, it's hard to kind of, you can't, you know, it's like a domino effect if you change this to that or whatever. Um, and when I met Scott, I was recommended to him. I think he was looking for... Um, Scott Kleinberger, the owner of East Coast Digital, um, he he was he you know it was just himself. He like his thing was like renting out Abbott. He had a small um, facility in Soho, and um, didn't do a ton of finishing work, but um, just rented out a lot of Abbott's like mobile rentals and his facility. facility. Um, and so, but he opened his new um, Midtown location, which is where I am now. And yeah, so we just like hit it off. And so now it's like super cool because we, he's like very, he could, he's like, what do you need? Like we do everything like to whatever people need, which is, I love that. So I've seen, I've seen both sides of it, but that's the, the long way, the long way around to my, yeah. From professional dancer to a director of post. <laughs> of course. I mean, I break it down all the time. Yes. But not professionally. I did do a recital, like I did like an Alvin Ailey, like extension um, kind of thing, which is cool, like a workshop thing. But that was a few years ago. I mean, obviously pre-pandemic. But um, but yeah, no, I love to dance. It's like super, super important to me. I break it down. I love it. <laughs> do you work? Um, I mean, I can. <laughs> But I don't, it's not like I'm out of the club twerking. <laughs> I'm more like embarrassing my children, like in my house, you know? <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm a little booty Judy. I, I can't twerk, but I want well, my, my friends say I can't, but I attempt anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, it's all about, yeah, the attempting. That's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's the effort it's the try so stina what is you so you did you you worked in production and also now you're in post so what's really like the difference between a post-production executive and a production executive yeah that's a good question i mean i feel like you know, and, the, and I do think at different companies and different mediums, it's different because um, I have been working on this this podcast too and their structure in, in podcast land um, or radio podcast land is like very interesting. The, the terms are different. You're just like, what? But, um, but for production, I mean, from where I was and I was working in TV and we kind of like, you know, had our own like internal kind of like production, you know, we had our own gear and our own little internal post house essentially too um, which a lot of you know reality tv shops have they do everything kind of in-house um you know it's a lot of logistics and just understanding like bigger picture you know stuff um but you still have to know the nitty-gritty and I was I mean in reality TV, I mean wouldn't you know the in that genre like you're pretty hands-on so you're, you're wearing a lot of hats it's not as like siloed as I find like and I haven't done a ton of narrative um Done it, haven't done a ton of narrative production um, stuff, um, but from the reality and documentary side of things, it's like, you know, you're we're just wearing a ton of different hats. And um, so you kind of know everything, which is what I enjoy, honestly. Um, it's hard to like, just be like, oh, I can't know about that. I just have to be over here. I feel like that's, I don't know, it makes me nervous. I'm like, I just want to understand, you know, the bigger picture, like, you know, everything that's happening. Um, but yeah, for, and for director post-production too, I mean, look, I mean, this, where the shop that I, that I run, you know, I am either handing, you know, hand in hand with other post supervisors who are doing their projects and we work as a team to like, make sure they're, they're getting everything they need. Um, or I had like other jobs that come through where I'm more of a post supervisor too, um, especially on the finishing side of things. So I feel like me answering that question is kind of because of the places I've worked, I've been just pretty more hands on, even though you do need the, the overview, but you kind of, I can get in there too, you know? Um, and I think at other shops and other places, it might be definitely different, but, but this is, that's how it is here. That's what I like. That's what I enjoy, honestly. Yeah. What I find in terms of, I think a lot of times people are looking for this very definitive answer, this very black and white answer. And it, there really isn't because of so many different variables. There's different mediums and genres, documentary, narrative, right? So on and so forth. Now podcasting, di uh, digital, and those mediums have different needs. And fundamentally, these things are the same. But they're very nuanced and detailed things that make them different. And it, that can go down to the medium. That can go down to uh, the, the house, the studio, the production company, and how they want to function and do things. And that informs or shifts, you know, a role or a responsibility. But, yeah, when people ask me that, I'm like, listen, production executives, right, they – they are responsible for the physical production about the, ske the scheduling, the logistics, all the handling and getting a, pro a production 
in progress and towards execution. And then the post-production executives, they're responsible for like taking those assets, taking that media and creating a physical like asset or picture that we can then put out into the world. But there's so many, there's so many resources out there where literally Google is our friend and we can Google these things and read up on them and do our research. I did, I also, this just came up for me, but I want to, I want to thank you. And if there's anything else to add, you could definitely add around how uh, you, when you transitioned from LA to New York, I heard you say you had a five-year gap so that you could step back and take care of your family. And then coming out of that, you, your strategy was, I'm going to get a list of contacts that are all relative to media, and I'm going to cold call them. And I meet so many people that are like, I've been out for a year or three, whether it be for health, whether it be to take care of a family member or whatever. And then what I hear a lot of times is people interpret that as people are going to see me, see this on my resume, see it on paper and think that I don't have value or I've, I've lost value. And I love how you use your creativity, right, to, to say, no, that's, I'm not going to allow that to be my story. I'm going to get creative. I'm going to find the contacts and I'm going to make it happen. And the, all, the formula is still the same. This stuff works. I literally told my team the other day, I was like, we're shopping a project, a true crime series. I was like, let's get a list of all the people that have done it, producers, production companies, get me their contact information, and I'm a cold call them. And in a day, I got responses from people who don't know me because the formula works, the strategy works. So I'm glad that you brought that uh, to light as a, as a way to help people, whether you're trying to pivot or break in, you know, find the contacts, do your research and cold call them. We all have some sort of value that we can add to, uh, to a production or to someone's lives. Um, are there any other, any other suggestions that you have if somebody wants to break into post-production or they want to pivot from production, whether they're, they're new to the industry at all, or they're working in production in some other capacity and they want to pivot over to post-production? Um, I mean, I, I will say one thing, just going back for a minute on like when I did have that gap, I, I felt that way too. And on my resume, I actually put like CEO of, of like the Hamlin Hacienda. Like I was like the CEO of my household and I took care of business you know what I mean like so I was just like you know that when you're doing you're taking this gap it's like you're still like I'm not just sitting around like eating you know um you know cookies and watching Real Housewives of Orange County you know although I did watch that a lot back in the day um so anyway so I just feel like it's not and I do feel like it's really important for people to I mean it shouldn't yeah it's not it's like my brain isn't dead you know and you have to learn new stuff anyway so but the cold calling, I do feel like is, um, it's intimidating. And honestly, like, I mean, that was like a long time ago that I did that. It's probably like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. So 
you know, it's like people, and even now nobody wants to call anyone. So I think the call is kind of special. It's actually more special now. They're like, Oh, wow. You thought so much to like, leave me a voicemail. Like nobody even leaves voicemails, you know? So I think, I think it's cool. And people, you can catch a vibe from, you know, someone's voicemail more than you can catch a vibe from an email, you know? So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really, because it's all about relationships and, and like, and I feel like that vibe, like, you know, you're going to be working together. Oh, you seem cool. Okay. You know? So anyway, I think that's really cool. But, um, but advice that I would say, I mean, I kind of just feel like just finding a place that you, you know, like I would definitely try to find something or a place that you are interested in, obviously. Like it's like if I was really wanting to work with this certain director who has this production company or they do all this cool content, like, you know, and I've always just been like, I'll start over. I don't really care. I think that's a thing. I don't know if that is a good thing, <laughs> but um, like, you know, I kind of just approach it like whatever you have, but also like, as you get older, you know, that's like, they don't want, they're not going to hire me as like a production assistant, but I'm like, I'll be a badass production assistant. Cause I know I've never worked on, you know, commercials before or whatever. So I've done that too. You know, I was like, Oh, let me work in commercials for a minute and just be a production assistant and not, and you know, so I was fine with that. And they, you know, so, so I don't know. I feel like you just have to like, it's important to find a place or like a genre or, or, um, you know, a department. Like if you do want to work in a post house, um, for some re for a certain reason, like you definitely, you know, just reaching out to them. There's so many for the post houses too. There's a lot of programs like internships and stuff like that too. Um, and with the made New York post-production training program, which I think is like really great. Um, and I'm glad they finally did that because they had the production and training one for so long. And I was like, where's the post one, you know? Um, but, and, and also just like the groups, like joining groups. I and mean, that's why I'm at you. I mean, I meet so many people like from different groups from like the producers guild to um, the women independent producers, um, WIP organization and NYWIFT or, you know, or who, you know, I mean, you know, just all Brown girls, doc mafia, like, how can you just get out there and meet more people? I think especially now after the pandemic, I mean, people, and you can just do Zoom meets too. So it's kind of easier to get, to get, you know, to meet people. I don't know. It's good. I think, um, I think that's the best way, honestly. And, and Facebook groups. And I know that not everyone's on Facebook, but those Facebook groups, man, people are like helping people out, you know? Like the New York Post Alliance is really good, like Blue Collar Post Collective. Like I just feel like there's some really great communities like that that are really, really great like resources. They help me out all the time. I try to give back. And I think once people, you know, people are definitely trying to give back to these organizations. And um, so that's, 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 I guess, does that answer the question? It's probably like a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 the, the possibilities are abundant. There's so many ways in which you can enter in or pivot within this space. I'm hearing you say relationships are everything. That's why we're called Hue, you know. Uh, join communities, reach out to people. I love what you said. That inspired me. Now I'm excited to make some cold calls about that, those calls being even more special now because so many of us are sending DMs and Facebook messages and emails. So that's a, that we're coming back to 
you know, uh, that original approach, which I can see how it feels special in this, in, in these modern times. Um, Stina, so thinking about Pose, right, we talked about being solutionist. I have my own feelings about this. I'll wait to share them. But what what happens on the inside in your soul when you hear someone say, fix it in post? <laughs> oh my God. Actually, it makes me laugh, honestly, because it's so, um, it's like hilarious. I mean, it's just funny because like the, how long has this whole process been around? Like for a long time. And like, it's just hilarious. But there are so many things that you can do in post. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, um, I it makes me laugh. I think that it's like it's like yeah, like that's that's what I love about it. Honestly, you know, it's like that that you know you you. I mean, I've seen so many different solutions come to light from you know sometimes you can only you know get this crowd assembled and this these scenes take you know taken with like all of these this talent and then the audio is not there for some reason you know, what? I mean, that has happened. It's crazy. Yeah. And so then you're like, oh, let's get in a loop group, you know, do this like audio, like loop group thing. And, uh, you know, so I just feel like there's, there, yeah, I just, to me, it, it makes me, makes me, I mean, I don't think you should be like, oh, let's just fix it. I mean, cause it costs money. I think that's the big thing too. And I, from me being a producer too, it's like, it does cost money. You know what I mean? So you want to be smart about stuff because you got to have money to fix it in post. So it might be cheaper to just like do another shoot day, you know, if you need to. So, but that's just like my own like logistical brain, um, which I sometimes get in trouble for. Not really, but my boss is like, do you really? I'm like, I don't know if you should really <laughs> pay, pay us for that. You should probably fix it over here. But, you know, I mean, I think we're all just trying to like do the best. But yeah, fix it in post. I think it's hilarious. And that's, I'm grateful for that saying, because that's why I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I hear people say that, I'm like, oh, that gives me such great insight into your mindset. I mean, as a, as a director, I have literally put my productions on pause in consideration of posts. I'm like, I will not move forward on this thing until somebody from post picks up the phone and lets me know that this will not be a headache and it's doable. If they say it's a headache and it's not doable, we have to figure out a solve here in production. But, you know, when I when I hear that when I hear that it it lets me know of of either people's uh, <laughs> uh, lack of consideration <laughs> for 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 both sides, and you, this is one of the reasons why I think it's so important for us to. You said this a little bit earlier to understand all of the facets, right? The when we have an understanding of what people have to go through on the back end to uh, solve a problem that may have cost a few extra dollars in production or maybe have maybe we would have spent just an extra 30 minutes where they're now spending two, three weeks and it's costing extra thousands and thousands of dollars, we probably would have done things a little bit more different. But um, yeah, that 
that fix it in post thing. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Because you worked in post. I mean, that's the thing. That's why I think not everyone, like, I don't know anyone. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't go to film school, but I just feel like everyone just like, I, they want to be a director, writer, pro- you know, producer. And it's just like, well, nobody, I don't know anyone that I meet first of all who wants to be in post it much less a post-production supervisor. I mean, they might want to be an editor or something, but even that is rare. Like, I'm just like, I feel like it's just something that you have to do because you, I don't know. I find that interesting. I try to find people. I'm like, what? Like, you know, I don't know. Like they end up editing because they wanted to edit their own stuff and then they ended up liking it or something, you know, or they couldn't hire an editor. So they just did it themselves. They're like, oh, this is cool. It's like, well, okay. (laughs) I don't know. It's a special place, Shirley. It is. That's what, but you left it. it. Now you're like directing. So <laughs> yeah, I still love it though. I I love the balance of production and post. Like I'll do just a few shoots a month, but the majority of my time is spent in post production because I like the um the life that comes with with post. Yeah, it allows me to do so much more versus being on set for 16, 18 hours a day, five, six days a week. I love post. Stina, you consider yourself a futurist and technology enthusiast. What is that? <laughs> I know. Well, because I just love technology. Like, I just like to figure things out, you know? I mean, I'm not like um, an IT person or whatever, or, you know, I don't want to like, I don't necessarily want to code, although I did kind of like, explore that option but I think um I like figuring stuff out I also like to um you know break it down in a way like like I was saying before about the virtual reality stuff a 360 video it just it people just like put a wall they're just like how does this work and they're just like I can't even get it and it's really it's not that it's um that they have to understand every but it's I feel like the tech industry has like made that on purpose you know what I mean that there's some sort of purposeful system that's set up like oh we know all this stuff over here and you got you know you don't know anything over there and I hate that so much that it makes me mad and so I do my best to like break it down as much as I possibly can or figure it out and just um you know and try to I, I mean, I, I don't want to say like dumb it down, but like, just break it down. Like it's not that complicated really. And it, it just, it's like, it's just kind of like this facade that's like created to make it seem like it's so freaking complicated and it's just not. So, and also sometimes it's like really expensive, like VR and like 360 stuff and, and, um, you know, just in doing some projects too. I'm just like, that's not like, that's not sustainable. And like, who is seeing this stuff? So sometimes I just feel like the technology factor gets um just taken into some weird world especially in like the vr and like immersive world um i feel like it's very um elitist is not the greatest word but it's like it's like for a certain person you know it's like for this certain crowd and i think that's stupid and it needs to be not like that so i'm constantly just trying to figure out ways to you know how to be more accessible not cost three hundred thousand dollars to make an eight minute piece that um, that only people are going to see, you know, who can afford to go to some film festival in some big city, which is annoying, you know, so that sort of stuff is like, um, that's where, that's where I see like our future and stuff. And also just the analog and digital, like, it's like, it doesn't need to be this 
you know, like those Teslas, like they're ruining the environment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're better cars, but like, you know, Elon Musk is like stealing, you know, like the mineral, like what it takes, the minerals it takes to make those cars is like going to be depleted faster than, you know, the damage that regular cars are doing. You know, it's just like kind of like this weird world that we, you know, we need to really just like check ourselves on so many levels. So anyway, that's going off on some other tangent, but. <laughs> Tell me, I'm learning a lot. I didn't know that. Tell me a little bit more about how you see the future of actually the intersection of media and technology. Well, I hope that, I hope it is more accessible and I hope that, um, you know, I do, it's like, you know, just to assume that everyone has internet is just like not okay, you know? So I feel like we have to, you know, really be thinking about, you know, kind of like getting back to like, just like the basics, you know, like that's, I feel like that's what my journey right now is just for personal projects is going back to audio and like the art of listening and the art of storytelling for the ear. And, you know, you're going back to like radio wave, you know, like radio waves and, I've been talking to some amazing like indigenous artists too, who are like, you know, create like pirate radio stations and like, how are we making our own internet? You know, like, how are we, you know, just these systems, the bigger systems around us are just, you know, not working for all of us. And so um, I'm really interested in, in just being mindful of that future is going to need to be um, accessible to, to everyone and not totally depend only on like power and internet, you know? So like, what does that look like? You know, it looks like plays or it looks like who knows, you know, like live performances and things like that. So, um, or like handwritten, you know, words. Um, so yeah, I think that that's the future and we have to be smart about that. Just like, as far as like where we're headed with our planet and all of that, like, it's definitely all, connected like I can't separate you know what's happening in media with like how we're you know rolling through you know production and planet and like our you know like the trash and you know the, everything is all connected all the time so I'm constantly thinking about all of that all the time and it's like hard <laughs> it's but it's important another thing that's important is your your work and the projects that you that you've been working on that amplify indigenous voices can you talk a little bit more about that what inspires that your connection to the indigenous community yeah no definitely um so i am of indigenous descent um my family completely assimilated and they don't really know um and they know but they don't know um uh, like exactly what our story is. And I've, so I have been, it's been a thing that I've been going through my entire life with my, it's just from my dad's side of the family who I was, you know, not totally around. Um, um, so yeah, so I am, I have children and I definitely was like trying to answer those questions for myself, um, for my dad, um, but also for my, my children and in kind of, you know, navigating, you know, my own indigeneity, what that means, um, you know, what community am I connected to and how it is just like a really, um, beautiful and, and, um, 
an emotional and impactful journey. Um, but just being able to, I mean, just to really look around and to see the, the erasure of indigenous people. Um, and there's so many tribes and people still think that like native, native Americans do not exist, um, or, you know, don't count or they're stereotypically, you know, uh, stereotyped in, in not great ways. There's so many like racist mascots out there still. It's just kind of like crazy. So when I started to just really kind of, you know, say this more out loud to people, like what's, you know, is there any indigenous voices on this? Like, why is this person telling this indigenous story or what is this, you know, and you, it's really surprising to find that like, there's not, I mean, it's definitely changing now, which is so beautiful to see over the past like three years with like reservation dogs and, um, uh, you know, Rutherford Falls and all of this indigenous content and, you know, Taika Waititi and, and all of this. So it's, that's super exciting to watch. Um, so, so yeah, so basically the bottom line is that I just wanted to, in my own journey, tell these stories and share these stories. And I was working on a project called Blood Memory, um, the experience, which is kind of like, you know, that kind of innate connection to your ancestors and to the earth that, um, that we all feel, you know, um, no matter who our ancestors are, or we, or we all should feel. And then I'm hoping that people will feel more connected to the earth in order to care more about, about it um, and know that we're not like separate from it. We're definitely connected. Um, so, yeah, so I've just been working, you know, just trying to, I mean, I'm on my own personal journey, but then just also working with other indigenous artists and, um, you know, trying to, you know, see how I can support in any way possible, you know, uh, you know, we're training up, trying to train up, like you're saying, like I, I, I offer up all the time, like if people want to come in and, and, um, you know, like you came in, we were doing the VR thing. We would do that a lot with people. If you wanted to learn about it, like have people come in and um, definitely trying to do that um, as well with uh, native, uh, native uh, assistant editors or, um, or editors, which that's why I have been asking more people like who wants to do post-production, <laughs> you know? So, but, um, so yeah, so, and I'm working on a project now called Remaining Native Documentary, which is an amazing story about Koo Stevens. He's an athlete and, um, he is an amazing runner and he's ran, he's ran, re-ran the like 80 miles that his great grandfather ran escaping from boarding school in Stewart um, and Stewart uh, board, Indian boarding school, which is in Nevada. And his great, his great grandfather was like eight years old and escaped that and ran home like three times, three different times. And it's like through this like crazy terrain. And so his great grandson, Koo is this amazing athlete who re is rerunning that route, but also he's just like an amazing athlete and is going to go on to like this college and, um, and so we're, to, we're documenting his story. I'm the post producer on there. So I'm not, I'm not, definitely not like the pitch person on that, obviously, <laughs> but it's a beautiful project. But in this project, we've been able to, um, because I'm the post producer from the beginning, which usually people bring a person on at the end, um, we've been training up assistant editors, um, you know, trying to like, you know, assistant, um, uh, like color, junior colorists, you know? Um, yeah, so we're trying to, do that as much as we possibly can. And just like, if anyone, I just am always just saying like, if anyone loves post-production, just call me. <laughs> Cause I know it's a weird thing, but like not everyone does, but if you're into it and want to learn about it, like I want to help, 
you know, like I can, I feel like I have resources and, and my boss, Scott is like super cool and supportive. And it's like, let's like, you know, do something and we can try to get, you know, get jobs and get resumes and like do that. So it's not anything formal. And we, you know, I don't have like an official intern. It's just kind of like reach out, you know, and let's, let's talk. I love that. I love that, Stina. Like there is so much possible in post-production. Post-production is there's, there's so many different roles, post-producer, editor, assistant editor, supervisor like so many roles and a place where you can go and make an amazing uh living and it's lucrative and you can learn a lot and it's a lot more scheduled and balanced and controlled than production so if you're someone who you know who work or who has a family or who has other you know schedule considerations or conflicts it's a much more stable place but yeah I love post-production it's I love it and that's where the magic is made it's you know every piece is important every piece matters but post-production is where you see it all come together and you you see the the actual picture get painted I love it so yes call Stina call Stina. She wants to help. Just reach out. Um, Stina, this was so great. Stina, we got to make a TikTok. You dancing. We're using new technology and media. We got to do like a really good TikTok. What? I don't know. I'm, I'm like so old on TikTok. And I've been, I've been meaning to really learn that. It's about them time, but the whole Lizzo that I haven't done it. <laughs> so... <laughs> We can, I can guide you through it. I'll send you, I'll text you some stuff. We could do like a duet type thing. Okay. I'll, I'll send you something easy that we can okay. do. Okay, okay. But we could definitely, we could do, uh, we can do a whole TikTok thing. Let's do it. Um, This was great. Again, Stina, when I met you at that, that, that beautiful night, one night at, <laughs> P, at a PGA event where you just came up to me after me trying to be bold and brave and speaking and my voice was shaking and you were so warm and welcoming and kind and brought me in and invited me to the offices and started teaching me about stitching something my brain was like what is this so at the same energy today it's just so much love you're so generous and giving and that's why when when you emailed me you emailed me to help on the podcast and I was like what no, you need to be on it. <laughs> you just, I know, I know you have so much to offer and so much to give. And Aww. this is just, this is a snippet of what I get all the time. Oh, that's like the sweetest. And you too, like, I mean, you're amazing. I love everything you're doing. And like, I mean, supporting your projects and all the stories that you're going to tell. And with, and who you know, and like all the work that the organization's doing, it's awesome. This podcast, I think is a great idea and you're perfect the perfect voice of that so yay 
Yeah. All right, Stina, I've held you nine minutes past your time, and you're uh, you're running a whole department, so I must release you so you can get <laughs> back to business. But I thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to text you so we can figure out a good TikTok to oh my do, God. and then we'll, we'll post it with this thing. Yes. Oh, my God. That would be great. My kids will be mortified, but that's my new role in life. <laughs> It's like to freak them out. I'm like, I'm going to start a mommy TikTok. I'm going to be breaking it down. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. You're the best. Thank you so much.